listening to Inherited Danger, book two of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 6 Wager your coin only when you know something the rest do not. Hedy Cook, Gambler Captain Trell's gifts provided days of entertainment. Benjen taught them to play a game known as Pickup. He drew a grid on the back of a piece of leather and drew a number in each square. Players put their bets on the squares they wanted, and the dice would be rolled. They used a combination of dice whose maximum was equal to the number of squares on the grid, which made every roll a potential winner. If the number you bet was rolled, then you got all the bets on the grid. The group had very little in the way of coinage, which made it difficult for them to play. But Pelivore solved this problem. He brought them a long strip of rawhide that he said they could cut up and use as pretend coinage. The idea was an instant success, and Pelivore even joined them for a few games. Benjen was an experienced player, and he tried to teach them the nuances of the game. Each player could bet more than one square per roll, but no more than one coin per square. They took turns placing their bets until everyone passed on their chance to bet, or until the grid was full. The game could be frustrating at times especially when they could not remember who had placed bets on which squares, but they had fun learning. Many places in the Greatland have elaborate pickup tables with colored betting chips for each player that make it easier to keep track of. But this is better than boredom by far, Benjen said, to which they all agreed. Katrin played on occasion, but most of the time she returned to her book, which she now thought was entitled men leave. This at least made sense given what the captain knew of the book. Even with the additional knowledge, she had few revelations. The latter part of the book seemed to describe the shipbuilding process, but she was unsure, and there were no illustrations to help her. The information Captain Nora provided was inconclusive, and Katrin began to wonder if it was influencing her attempts at translation. Perhaps, she thought, she had been better off before finding out what someone else thought the book was about. At the times when she could no longer take the frustration, she talked with Pelivore, or played pickup with the men. Her games of pickup grew fewer and fewer as the intensity of the games began to increase. Benjen was no longer the most experienced player, and Vertuk surprised them all by consistently winning. They asked him how he won so often, and he always gave the same obtuse reply. Patterns. This answer served only to infuriate the rest of them, as they sought to see these magical patterns Vertuk used to beat them. Every time they played, they were more determined to win, and they demanded rematch after rematch, even after he had taken all their bits of rawhide numerous times. What do you mean by patterns? Katrin asked when she cornered him one day. He just shrugged. Patterns all around. But you must learn to see them. 
some things more likely than others. And when one pattern happens, probably not happen again. Patterns not always right, but better than no patterns. Katrin was not sure she understood his logic, but she began looking for patterns in everything, as Vertuk suggested, and in many ways she found confirmation of his words, not the least of which was his obscene winning streak. Despite her efforts to duplicate his feat, she was never able to see the patterns in relationship to pick up, as Vertuk did. When they were near the end of their ocean journey, Pelivore brought them a large map of the Greatland that he rolled out on one of the tables. Captain Trell wishes to know your desired destination, as she needs to make the arrangements for the final leg of your journey. She does not recommend you land at New Moon Bay. The security will be tight, and you would stand a good chance of being discovered. It would not be the first time the trader's wind has been searched from top to bottom before being allowed to enter port. The months aboard the ship had dulled the group's sense of urgency and allowed them to become complacent. Katrin had been able to forget some of her fears and anxieties, while the seclusion and comfort had fostered the illusion of security. With the map in front of them and the decision upon them, the thin veil of perceived safety vanished. Katrin trembled as a sense of foreboding weighed on her until she thought she would be crushed. Her eyes rested on the soft clothing she wore, and she felt the need to regain her edge and vigilance. Determined to completely shatter the illusion, she excused herself, retreating to her quarters to don her leathers and homespun. Pelivore had cared for them well, and her garments were in considerably better condition than when she had arrived. Her borrowed garments had been designed specifically for comfort, and Katrin found her utilitarian clothing rough and binding in comparison. The effect helped to remind her of the seriousness of her situation, and she visibly shifted her posture and attitude. The effect was not a complete regression to that which she had been before boarding the trader's wind, though. Her new persona was better educated, more confident, and better mentally prepared. When she returned to the common area, she found the atmosphere completely changed. Gone were the reclining figures garbed in white and tan. In their place, she found adventurers. The abrupt shift appeared to unnerve Pelivore and he looked as if he were surrounded by predators. Katrin could understand his unease. She, too, was disquieted by those who paced the apartments like angry beasts, despite being one of them. Her attempt to reassure Pelivore came out as a shrill demand that he not look so meek. He seemed uncertain of how to respond and quickly excused himself. Benjen was the first to speak. We'd better prepare ourselves for the rigors that await us. This journey has provided respite and opportunity for recuperation, but it has also softened us. Let's approach our next decision with wisdom as well as caution. Let's discuss the best possible place to disembark the trader's wind as well as our ultimate destination. Let us consider our decisions well before we act, he said, 
and his formal words struck their hearts. Katrin nodded and joined the somber group around the map. Benjin produced the bag of dice and poured a few into his hand. He placed them strategically on the map. The dice were a perfect metaphor for Katrin, but one that struck too close to the truth for comfort. She imagined the dice rolling, her fate decided by patterns she failed to perceive. Benjin looked thoughtful and placed one last die on the map. I've marked these locations for a number of reasons. On the southeastern tip of the Greatland, we have Drasha Stone, one of the oldest Cathurin strongholds. We could land on the southern tip of Mundelboro and travel east to Drasha Stone. Far to the north, in the northern wastes, there is Omahold, thought to be the first stronghold on the Greatland. It's remote and surrounded by deep snow for much of the year. There are other, less significant Cathurin outposts in the remote parts of Silva and the Westland, he said, motioning to the three smaller dice. We will be approaching the east coast, and traveling all the way to the west coast by ship would be risky. The Southland and Mundelboro have been occupied for only a few years, and the Jean influence has less hold there. But the southern coasts are brutally hot. Landing on the shores of the Southland would be difficult, as there are several key ports along the peninsula, and that area will likely be patrolled heavily. What about landing along the northern wastes, or northern inland? Chase asked. That would make for a relatively short journey to Omahold. Endland is densely populated, Benjen replied, and the northern wastes are aptly named. They are barren and lifeless, and they can be deadly to cross. Autumn is nearly upon us, and the winter snows will soon cover the wastes. I think we'll be best served by going south to Drashestone, Benjen replied. After much deliberation, it was agreed that Benjen's plan was the most sound. His knowledge of this foreign land was far greater than what Katrin and the others possessed. When Pelivore returned, Captain Trell accompanied him. She greeted them briefly before getting straight to the point. Where will you go? Benjen looked as if he would speak, but Katrin beat him to it. We'll travel to the southern coast of Mundelboro, presuming the arrangements can be made. Your choices are few and all of them dangerous, but I assume you are well aware of that. My options are limited in these dire circumstances, and I'm afraid your accommodations will be much less comfortable from here. There's a ship that should do this deed for me, since our captain owes me his skin, but he is not the most trustworthy fellow. You are certain of your course, are you not? I'll not be able to change these arrangements once they are set. Please consider your options wisely. I'll send Pelivore for your answer on the morrow, Captain Trell said before she left. None of them came up with a better plan, despite hours of contemplation, and on the next day they gave Pelivore confirmation of their desires. Katrin had hoped she would feel better once the decision was made, but instead she found her anxiety increasing. Life was about to start moving at full speed once again, and she was afraid she'd lost her stride, if she had ever truly had it. The months spent in close quarters had taken their toll. 
It seemed the group had run out of things to say, and each moment seemed to drag on. Having been reminded of the dangers ahead, Katrin and the others clearly wished to just get on with it. Three days later, Pelivore brought them a large meal and word to prepare to change ships. Your passage was difficult to secure, but Captain Trell bribed a mercenary ship to carry you to Mundelboro. The Night Fist should arrive after midnight. I'll let you know when they are prepared to receive you, he said, then excused himself. He returned a short while later, laden with packs, bedrolls, and a rather large coin purse. Compliments of Captain Trell. She sends you luck. Benjen accepted the gifts and weighed the purse in his hand. He looked as if he wanted to return it, to say it was too much, but then he seemed to swallow his pride. Katrin was glad he mastered himself. They would need coin during their travels, and now she had one less worry. You may keep the clothes that fit you, and I'll be happy to pack them if you wish, Pelivore said. Thank you, Katrin replied. That is a generous gift and we'll gladly accept it, but we can pack them. It'll give us something to occupy our idle hands. Thinking about the journey ahead, she found she could not decide if she was more excited or terrified. The two emotions churned in her gut, and she began to feel ill. A big part of her wished to stay aboard the trader's wind and hide for the rest of her life, but she knew she could not. Chase and Strom tried to appear confident, but they could not hide their trepidation from her. She could feel the anxiety radiating from them. Her senses had become more attuned to her companions during the long voyage, and she felt much closer to them all, if not too close. She could sense that Benjen was reliving old and painful memories, and Vertuk was terrified of boarding a smaller ship again but she could also sense his desire to reach dry land. Get some sleep while you can, Benjen said. We'll want to be well rested before we board the night fist. While Katrin agreed, she found it impossible to sleep. Knowing she was not alone in her insomnia did nothing to console her. When Pelivore finally arrived, Katrin yawned and had trouble keeping her eyes open. The rush of excitement had worn off, and she was drained and exhausted. Cursing herself for not sleeping while she could, she pulled herself from the comfortable chair and watched as the others rose no more quickly. I want to thank you all for your kindness during this journey, Pelivore said. Thank you for including me in your games and storytelling. I enjoyed it very much. Captain Trell sends her thanks as well. Pelivore presented each of them with a gift. His gifts were simple, but the thought behind them was without price. To Vertuk, he gave a carving of a horse. The mighty steed it depicted was in full stride, with its mane and tail flying in the wind. Vertuk marveled over it, and shocked Pelivore by embracing him in a bear hug. When Pelivore turned to Strom, he produced a small canvas painted with brightly colored depictions of several plants. This canvas can be used safely in an emergency, he said with a straight face, but the plants drawn on it should be avoided. Strom flushed, but
but when Pelivore cracked a smile, he laughed aloud. Next, Pelivore made his way to Chase and presented him with a small herb kit, complete with notes on which herbs to use for various ailments. I hope your shoulder heals well, but in the meantime, this should help, he said, and Chase thanked him for the generous gift, shaking his hand firmly. Osborne clearly did not know what to expect, and Pelivore had a sly smile on his face as he approached. He handed Osborne a small stone vial filled with clear liquid. This perfume is guaranteed to win the affections of any woman who smells it, Pelivore said loudly. Osborne flushed and looked extremely uncomfortable. Katrin asked for a sniff, and Osborne quickly but carefully stashed the vial in his pocket. Katrin laughed, and Pelivore winked at her. Benjen stood with his arms crossed and stared down his nose at Pelivore, meaning to look somewhat imposing. Pelivore hesitated for a moment. You deserve whatever you get, Benjen Hawk, Katrin said, especially after the way you teased him about women. Benjen let a small smile play across his face, but maintained a defensive posture. Pelivore presented him with a hand-painted pickup grid. The lines were precisely drawn and the text beautifully penned. Thank you, Pelivore. You are kind, Benjen said, patting him on the back. Katrin wondered what Pelivore could possibly have for her. His smile was bold and impish as he moved to stand before her. There are three gifts for you, he said, then walked to the bookshelves, where he located the books Captain Trell had sent for her. The last item he held was a satchel that consisted of wax-coated layers of leather. He placed the books in the water-resistant case and handed them to Katrin. The captain insists you take these. She only asks that you inform her of anything you learn of them. The last gift is from me, he said, and his face flushed. He hesitated for a moment, but then seemed to realize this was his last opportunity. He put his arm around Katrin's waist, dipped her back, and kissed her firmly on the lips. The others had to suppress their laughter and hooting for fear of making too much noise at such a crucial time, but the moment would never be forgotten. Katrin was befuddled by Pelivore's kiss and she was speechless when he stood her back up. He ran his hand across her lower back as he released her, and she felt a chill run down her spine. Weak-kneed, she waited to see what would happen next. Pelivore walked away without another word, opened the exterior hatch, and secured and unrolled the rope ladder. Katrin dreaded climbing out of the hatch backward, especially with her staff slung across her back but she set her jaw and prepared herself. Pelivore helped her climb out into the darkness, and she groped in the air with her toes, trying to locate the next rung. It was a frightening climb, but she reached the boat that waited below. Her eyes were slow to adjust to the darkness, and she could not make out any details of the men in the boat. No one spoke a word. Each of her companions made their stealthy descent, and Katrin was pleased to note that Chase had little trouble with his climb, though he was out of breath when he reached the boat. He had healed well, and now he could regain his stamina. 
The sound of the oars stroking the water gave an eerie quality to their mute departure, and it felt like a dream. Katrin gazed back at the trader's wind and would always recall the memories of their journey with fondness. But she feared what lay ahead. The path before her was perilous and filled with uncertainty. She tried to harden herself in preparation. The night fist appeared at first as a shadowy silhouette that became more solid and distinguishable as they approached. It looked dark and oily, and it gave Katrin the shivers. The crew dropped a boarding net that Katrin and the others climbed easily. The rough and mean-looking men on deck were no friendlier than those in the boat. Most wore vicious sneers on their faces. Several of them eyed Katrin in a way that made her very uncomfortable, and she was relieved when a man stepped forward, grunted at them, and motioned for them to follow him. He led them to a room that resembled a cell more than it did a cabin. Katrin entered the darkened room with trepidation and was grateful when Benjen refused to allow the man to close the door behind him. They were left alone, cabin door slightly ajar. Two benches were the only items in the room, but she and the others made themselves as comfortable as they could. Chase, Strom, and Osborne unrolled their bedrolls and rested on the floor. Benjen and Vertuk sat, leaning against the walls, and Katrin reclined on one of the benches. Eventually, Vertuk moved to the other bench and slept. I don't trust these men, Benjen said. I'll be much happier when we've parted company. I'll keep watch if you want to sleep. Katrin tried to remain vigilant, but her eyes drooped with exhaustion as the subtle motions of the ship lulled her. The ship's movements became abrupt, disrupting Katrin's sleep, and she nearly rolled off the bench as the ship executed a full turn. Benjen and the others felt it as well, and they were soon on their feet. Opening the door, which had slammed shut, Benjen peered into the darkness, and Katrin worked her way to his side, but all she saw were furtive shadows sliding in and out of the darkness. Whatever the crew was up to, they were doing it in utter silence. Benjen tapped Katrin on the shoulder and pointed to the south. It took her a moment to spot the distant lights, but then she saw a great many as the ship crested a swell. Benjen closed the door and motioned for everyone to gather around. There are Jean ships to the south. I'm guessing the Night Fist will head to open water and try to skirt the patrols. Our current course argues against that logic, but I may be disoriented, he said, and they had to put their faith in the strange men who controlled their fate. The hours passed in excruciatingly slow fashion. Each moment seemed endless as they waited in silence. Katrin wanted to go out on deck to assess the situation, but the mercenaries had made it quite clear that she and her companions were not welcome there. In the last hours before dawn, the man Katrin presumed was the captain entered the cabin and motioned for them to follow. When they reached the rails, a couple of crewmen laughed, leering at Katrin, but she concentrated on their surroundings. 
a rocky shoreline where waves pounded against jagged formations was visible in the distance. She looked down, expecting to see a boat waiting below, but instead she saw only dark water lapping against the night fist. She screamed as hands grabbed her from behind, lifting her from the deck. They groped her everywhere at once, and she heard her companions shouting. Hands pulled at her staff, but it was held fast by the straps around it. In a sudden panic, she tried to draw on her powers, but she was not quick enough. After a sudden thrust, she fell with a shrill scream, plunging into the water. And she wiped her eyes just in time to see Benjen land a solid blow on the captain's nose before he leaped over the railing. Vertuk was Katrin's first concern. He could not swim, and she feared he would panic. Her fears were confirmed by the loud splashing noises he made as he thrashed in the water. Hampered by the weight of the staff, she reached him shortly after Strom and Benjen did. Vertuk landed several blows on his would-be rescuers before they could get him to stop flailing. Benjen assured him he would not let him drown, and Vertuk went limp in his arms. Chase swam ahead with an awkward stroke and looked for a safe place to gain the beach. Though he slipped several times on the algae-covered rocks, he found a relatively clear path. Vertuk was overjoyed when they reached shallow water, and he could feel the sand beneath his feet. Benjen appeared glad to have the large man supporting his own weight again. Slowly, they made their way across the treacherous rocks. When they reached the sand, Katrin sat down, trying to contain her anger. How dare these men just dump them in the water? I don't know about the rest of you, but I always feel refreshed after a good swim, Chase said in an effort to lighten the mood. Vertuk threw sand at him. That concludes this episode of Inherited Danger. Thank you for listening. For the latest news and new releases, be sure to check out patioracket.com.